Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed Podcast. Tristan, I want you to get ready to be the first one in just a moment, but I'm going to introduce them one at a time. We're asking these young adults, um, and, and one of them is as young as 17, and they go, all oh, the oldest might be 25, I think, possibly. And we're going to ask them to give us their response, how they view America's present condition. They're going to give you um, some reason for hope and encouragement. My generation is, uh, I'm going to choose my words carefully, is rather embarrassed that what we were handed by my parents' generation, we're handing an America in the condition it is to the next generation. This was not what we planned and what we wanted. What was given to us was spectacular, and what we're handing on is not. Yet, in spite of that, there's a generation rising up that may see the restoration of that which was lost. And like David returning to Ziklag, all will be restored. So I'm eager for you to meet nine young adults, youth, that uh, have a passion for the Lord, for truth. They love this country, and they're very smart on the issues at stake. This is a governmentally engaged, savvy group of young people. Tristan, Tristan is a junior. He's from San Diego. He's a junior at uh, Chula Vista Christian University. I, I, I met the students there on one occasion, and he stood out immediately. And so I hired him, and he handles the resources. He mails out all the books and all the stuff from, uh, from well-versed. But he's a busy guy. He's not only a skilled student. He's a, a speech. He, he, he gives speeches, a speech competition, uh, debater. I don't know if it's more speeches than it is actually debate. And uh, he was born in Malaysia, a wonderful family, and made, got U.S. citizenship. They did it the legal way, mind you. So, Tristan, you have a unique perspective coming from another country and seeing what's happened in America. I'm going to start with you. Just take a couple minutes, and we're going to go all the way around for just a few minutes each, and then we're going to just turn it wide open for all of you to comment. As you, at your age, take a look at America, talk to me. Tristan Tang. Well, thank you, Dr. Garlow. I mean, it's such an incredible honor to be uh, on this broadcast and speaking to you guys. Now, usually I'm the one behind the scenes on Sundays running the call. I'm still doing that, but today you get to see my face and I get to share with you a couple of things. Uh, so, well, what is, where do we, where are we right now? I mean, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that America is in a very uncertain and tumultuous place. Uh, and there are things when I look at our present condition, there are things that discourage me and encourage me at the same time. So I'll, I guess I'll go with the discouraging part first. I'll, I'll get the bad news. Um, we look at what happened in the midterm elections this, this year, this November, and they weren't what we, especially on the on the conservative, on the Christian side, they certainly weren't the results that we expected. It, it is sad and, and shocking to me and to many people, I think that so many voters just didn't seem to connect the dots between what was happening right now, the policies and the party or, or the politicians that were driving states and this country into the ground, and yet they a lot of them still got elected. 
Uh, we look at even in uh, in Congress, we just passed the Respect for Marriage Act. Uh, Tony Perkins, who was on a World Prayer Network broadcast, called it the Disrespect for Marriage Act. And it's just, again, so discouraging to see America continue to go down the slippery slope and fundamentally redefine this institution that God himself ordained. We really, we understand that God is a God of mercy and a God of justice, and we are really testing God's mercy, I, I think. So, and I'm going to focus on one more issue, and Dr. Garla actually teed it up for me perfectly. As he, as he, as he said, I am an immigrant. I wasn't born here in the United States. I was born in Malaysia. That's where my parents and my grandparents grew up. And then when I was four years old, because of my dad's work, we moved to Shanghai, China, where I stayed for five years. And then 10 years ago, in 2012, my dad's work bought my family and I to San Diego, and we've been here ever since. And as Dr. Garlo said, I recently got naturalized in April of this year. I'm so proud to be an American now, but it took a while. Uh, we, we came here, and then in 2015, we got our green cards, and then after five years, then we could start applying for citizenship. So as Dr. Garlo said, we did it the legal way. So it's so uh, insulting uh, to, mm -hmm. to me when I see our current administration not enforcing the law and allowing illegal immigrants to come across. Now, again, I am as pro-immigration as can be. I understand that America is a land of opportunity. There's no other country with better freedom, with better uh, yeah, chances to succeed than America. So I understand that, but we have to do it right. You have to do it legally. And I pulled up some numbers. I think in fiscal year 2022, Border Patrol encountered and apprehended around 2.76 million illegal immigrants. Now, again, these are the immigrants that were detected. So there could have been more that have crossed into our border. So that's just something that, again, discourages me is the fact that we have this going on and it's clearly affecting our country. But I think there's hope. And this year in 2022, we had an incredible high, the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And of course, we, we have to thank President Donald Trump for appointing those Supreme Court justices. So I think we are at the beginning of a turning point. Uh, and, and as we've seen with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, we, there, we, we can have victory and it, it's going to take a while. Uh, because again, we have, we've had 50 years, 49 years, uh, and before Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade was overturned, so we're going to have to we're going to have to continue to fight and persevere. But again, I look at organizations like Turning Point USA, like Patriot Academy, like Wall Builders, like Wellversed, that are continuing to educate people and train up the next generation. I think that there 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 are there's still a, a huge remnant of christians of conservatives and i think that if the church particularly continues to rise up and awake and engage civically then we will be able to see america really uh turn for the better uh as charles finney this is i'm going to end with this charles finney 
a great preacher in the Second Great Awakening, he said that God will bless or curse this nation according to the course Christians take in politics. And so for too long, I think Christians have either stayed silent or become complicit with what was going on, especially in the governmental realm, but also looking at culture, at academia, uh, and all these other institutions. So I think the reason why we're here is because of the church and of believers and their actions. So again, ultimately, I think in order to save this country, believers need to engage. So those are just my thoughts, Dr. Garlow. Thank you, Tr Tristan. How old are you? I'm 19 years old. Is there any way we could clone you? I don't believe in cloning, but okay. <laughs> Thank you. There might be some ethical issues, but maybe. <laughs> well, praise God for you. Uh, we're we're going to come back to you, and we're going right now to Johnny Ramon. Johnny, maybe the oldest one in this group, but 25 years of age. He's a, he's the a political coordinator for Awaken Church. Awaken Church has six campuses here in San Diego, booming, booming church. Co-founder of Turning Point USA Faith Chapter. Uh, a licensed yes. agent, insurance agent with Allstate, former college basketball player, former college ambassador to the state of Israel, for the state of Israel. I want to know more about that one. And then chairman of the college Republicans when he was a student at Point Loma Nazarene University. Johnny, so good to have you on. Talk to us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I am beyond grateful to be a part of something like this, where you guys are engaging the younger generation. Um, I really, I've really grown fond of uh, Tristan, and he's he's really a unique young leader that that I've noticed in the church at Awaken at Balboa, and um, if if only there was more nineteen year olds like him, um, I think that our nation would be a lot better off. Um, but as far as as far as the nation itself, Dr. Jim Garlow, I I've only known a nation uh, in decline. Like since since the day I was born, our nation has been in a decline, and um, I I really believe what C.S. Lewis said about the safest road to hell being uh, the gradual one, the gentle slope underfoot, and without sudden turns, without milestones, and without signposts, and um, but I want to start by addressing like the central. The central reason why I think millennials and Gen Z are so grossly misguided. And I believe that that is primarily due to the public education system in America. Um, I, I, I think that we ought to abolish that Leviathan outright. Um, I, I've read a lot of the work of Milton Friedman, and I, I do believe that the government has no role in socializing our children. The government has no role in sending them to uh, effectively uh, daycare centers where they indoctrinate these children. Um, but overall, I think that my greatest concern today in America is not the divide between the secular and the religious. I believe that the, the, the ultimate danger posed to, to the West right now is the actual divide between the American church. Now, I'm not talking about the divide between Catholic and Protestant. What I'm speaking about is the divide in the Christian left and the Christian right. And the reason that I believe that this has happened is, is there's been a number of Trojan horses that have entered America's 
the, the Church of the West. And um, I remember when I was at Point Loma, I think that the most shocking, I think the most shocking thing I ever saw when I was at that university was they brought in a guest speaker and there was a number of my peers there and a number of the administration also present where the speaker legitimately called for uh, an updated version of the Bible. And I, I have a very strict standard when it comes to claiming heresy, but I said that that is, that is heretical what you just said. You just said that we need an updated, more inclusive, tolerant version of the Bible. And I felt like that was probably the most astounding thing I saw when I was at, when I was at university. Um, but beyond, beyond the divide within the, the Church of the West, I think that um, there's, a, there's a great divide in the nature of spirituality. So if you were to ask a, a room full of millennials or a room full of Gen Z, if they were religious or if they were spiritual, about less than 20% would raise their hand and say that they're religious, and about 90% would raise their hand and say that they are spiritual. Now, I began to look into the, why this is, because a lot of my generation claims to be spiritual and um, but they've completely abandoned uh, the teachings of Jesus. So those, those are, those are the main, the main things that I see right now in our generation. Um, and I'm, I'm just so glad that you have me on here, Dr. Jim Garlow. Well, Johnny, that what you've said is remarkable. You're a little more gracious with the so-called Christian left. I don't call them Christian. I would call them apostates. And uh, so I'm not quite as generous when I see them, the wokeism on the right. Christian left. And uh, uh, we, we've done a, we did a session uh, quite some time ago about the condition of Christian universities in America. And moms yeah. and dads and grandpas and grandmas examined the school very thoroughly before you send your student there. What you just heard him say about Point Loma Nazarene University I live in the same city with that university. We used to have great confidence in all the Nazarene institutions. I was a Nazarene pastor myself. Whether or not I'm there Baptist or whatever denomination it is, Assembly of the God, Methodist, CMA, you need to examine any claims of any Christian colleges thoroughly before you send your, Christ, your Christian students to them, or you're going to be heartbroken when they come home on Thanksgiving after the freshman year, and they're spouting off stuff you have never taught them and never heard of. So uh, you, you check carefully on whether a school is authentically still biblical or not. Because you heard what he said. They brought a person on campus. I know the history of Point Loma Nazarene University. That's why it bothers me enormously what's been said while I'm taking a moment on that. Johnny, thank you for calling that to our attention. Maybe and you, they can write, write us because you're pretty, you know, so many universities. Contact us at info at wellversedworld.org. Uh, info at wellversedworld.org. Org. My, my good friend, uh, Dr. Everett Piper, was the president of the college. I've asked him to help uh, curate a list of those that are dependable. Some are very dependable. Some are, are some excellent Christian schools. But boy, I'm telling you, you got to watch it very much today. The wokeness has, has really spread very rapidly to schools that many of you think are still Christian, and they are not any longer. They have good, a few good faculty members there, but it, uh, we know some good faculty at Point Loma, for example. I can name 15 of them or so right off, but it's a, it's a rough environment to be sending your kids after you invest on it. Caleb, we're going to go to Caleb Orient. 
Caleb, you're up in Montana, Great Falls, Montana. Uh, Caleb is uh, 20 years of age. He went to America Fest. America Fest was 10,000 people his age, Charlie Kirk. Really? And Patriot Academy, that's our good friend Rick Green, who we've had on a number of times, a very good friend of mine. And he's a field representative for con Congressman Matthew Rosendale. Grew up in rural Montana, was homeschooled up there. His interests, listen to this, his interests include horsemanship, blacksmithing. Are you kidding me? Theology, really? political philosophy, is a Christian. And look, he, he describes himself as a paleo-conservative. He'll tell you what that means. And a national populist. Now, this is one smart dude I can tell already. Caleb, thank you for being on with us. Talk to us. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Mr. Garlow. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a pleasure to be on. Um, so, yeah, paleoconservative, it's a big word, but it basically just means uh, traditional conservative or what the majority of people in this country believed up until around like, around like 1960, I'd say. Uh, so, yeah, just like the average classic American man, maybe one of the last ones uh, were dying out, which is unfortunate, but uh, we'll, we'll soon rectify that. I, I would like to point out um, you were very articulate. You were talking about, you know, why you're speaking to the youth. And uh, it's essentially you feel as though your generation like had probably the greatest country in the world, which is true, and then um, didn't exactly preserve it for future generations. Um, and this is a very common sentiment. You speak to people who are politically involved in, in older generations. Uh, there's a very excellent book by two political philosophers. I forget their names, but it was, for, it was the title was uh, They're Not Listening. And the central theme of the book um, as they were looking into very nationalist, populist, and overtly conservative movements that are sweeping every country in the West, would this be like Viktor Orban in Hungary, right? Donald Trump in the United States, is this sense of what he called uh, Western degeneration awareness, which is this idea that we grew up in a great country. Um, it is no longer great, and that is the fault of the people in charge, basically, and it is our job to fix it, uh, which is entirely true. Um, what's interesting, you see specifically Gen Z, not so much millennials, I'm not really sure what's going on with them. Um, but as Johnny articulated, we didn't exact, we can't really appeal to this sense of Western degeneration awareness because we didn't get to see what this country was like during its prime. Uh, you look at like the economic situation in this country. Um, in, in, 19, in 1960, 33% of our jobs were in manufacturing. By 2010, it was 8%, right? You've seen uh, total stagnation of wages uh, since around like the early 1970s. Uh, between 2010 and 1985, you saw a 1% increase in wages, not 1% year over year, 1% in total. And uh, that was only in one demographic in, the, in this country, and that was specifically college-educated women. So total stagnation of wages for the American family. You see the sort of the death of the middle class. Um, so yeah, Johnny was entirely correct. He was born into a nation in decline, or as I would say, we're born into a nation like literally committing suicide. Um, and then uh, like I was, I'm really privileged. I got to meet Tristan, uh, meet him up at AmFest as well, but I met him in Patriot Academy. We got along because I think we hold basically the same view on foreign policy. Um, but no, especially the the uh, the situation our young men are facing as well, the people who would traditionally lead sort of a revival in this country, they're being emasculated. So like in the past four decades, we've seen testosterone drop 50 percentage points. Uh, we see like basically we're facing an infertility infertility crisis. Our young men aren't getting married. Uh, according to Google, these young men as well, 83% of young, uh, men in the United States admit to uh, accessing pornography on a weekly basis. It's disastrous. Um, we've seen the fall of a lot of great nations, um, but the just sheer amount of degeneracy we're facing, it's, it's going to be it's an incredible thing to overcome. Um, and that, that's something I definitely like to see Christians touch on. Uh, I, I, there's a, my favorite George Washington quote. He said that tyranny is most easily established on the ruins of liberty abused to licentiousness. 
uh, or, you know, basically just anything out of the Bible as far as avoiding sexual degeneracy, uh, definitely pornography, anything outside of like the confines of marriage. Uh, uh, there's also an excellent, um, I recommend all conservatives read this book. Uh, there's a British anthropologist by the name of J.D. Unwin. He was personal friends with uh, Huxley, who wrote Brave New World. He wrote a book called um, Sex and Culture. And basically, the thesis of the book, he looked at 86 civilizations over 5,000 years and um, found a direct correlation between their rise as an empire, like acquisition of land and wealth, cultural vibrance, these sorts of things, with the sexual restraint that society observed. And then as they became comfortable, as they became decadent, um, you know, they started to collapse. Or as Aristotle said, the virtues of a dying society are, are tolerance and apathy, which is true. Um, and basically his diagnosis was that that energy that they're pent up when people are being disciplined, when they're being moral, they're going to use that uh, to productive ends. And then as we uh, lose those rules in society, basically, we're going to collapse. So uh, encouraging, I'd say, the right-wing Gen Z that we see, there's a very small amount of us, but they're very focused on being disciplined um, with a total lack of direction and just the abysmal circumstances they've been given. They're turning to Christ, I feel like. Uh, what is very unfortunate is the majority of the rest of the country is not. We're, we're going sort of this spiral downwards, which is very disappointing. But it's basically that's basically the the summarized take why the Earth is collapsing. No good. We don't we don't love to see it. So. Caleb, you are you are eloquent. Uh, define for people that what a Gen Z is as opposed to a millennial. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Generation Z is people born after 1999, and then I believe it's up until like 2010, I think is the mark for, for Generation Z. And then um, you're, that's going to be your 90s kids are, uh, are going to be your are going to be your millennials. Um, so what's really alarming, though, by the way, uh, we were talking about public education, which is a really important point we need to touch on. The fall of public education was definitely Alfred Kinsley. Uh, or the introduction of sex education, you see um, what had been steadily declining or just totally stagnant in this country, which was, of course, um, like uh, like teen pregnancies, basically, or even more degenerate things like venereal disease. And we start teaching sex education. Um, we take sort of the God aspect out of it. Uh, we no longer view marriage as a covenant, although this comes kind of with the, um, the unfortunate creation of no-fault divorce in the United States as we had to see it adopted all across the country. Um, but anyways... 20.5% of Gen Z uh, says that they're gay, which is, that's terrifying to me. That's terrifying. And, th and this is, this has never been the case. It's never been more than like 2.5%, I feel like. And this wasn't even until 1960s that the American Psychiatric Association had to deal with it. And they classified it as a, um, a, a divergence from heteronormativity, which is the correct take. So, yeah. I hope you are planning to run for office. Real, real. Uh, the, I say this a lot. It's uh, like semi-joking, semi-not, uh, that the ascent to power is inevitable. It's slow, but we're getting there. Honestly, I'm, I'm just really privileged to currently be working under a great congressman like, uh, like Matt Rosendale. Um, he's not super well-known, but he is definitely becoming a more vocal, um, like America first side of Congress, I feel like, especially with his vocal criticisms of Kevin McCarthy. Uh, Tristan very articulately pointed out um, this, the very unfortunate results out of the midterms. We can blame a lot of that on uh, like the conservative establishment in this country who has failed to represent us for the, like, the past 70 years. Um, you see a lot more youth getting involved, especially as um, the party has turned in a more national populist direction. As we say, hey, um, we as a party, we have a view of the future. Things can be better. 
rather than like the same old tired talking points that have delivered us nothing except like 70 million unborn children killed in the womb, um, gay marriage, the total destruction of the family, all our manufacturing is leaving. It's disgusting. Um, now people are waking up. We're saying, no, actually, um, you have to put the American family first. We're not going to um, allow for anything less than that. So yeah, if we can keep Matt in there, I'd be I'd be for like Matt as like governor or president. I don't even know. I'm going to repeat myself. I hope you run for office. Real. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll move on with that one. A brilliant presentation and an unbelievable grasp of the facts. Kyle Herman. Now we're coming back from Montana, back to San Diego. <clears throat> Kyle graduated also from Point Loma Nazarene University, and then he went on to get his master's degree at the Liberty University. He teaches at Christian, I mean, Chula Vista Christian University, and also at Foothills Christian Academy. Kyle, I've had the joy of pastoring him for many, many years. Uh, when I was a pastor at Skyline Church, he was heavily involved in ministry there in a lot of ways, as is his family. And uh, he, uh, he, he worked for Wellverse for quite a period of time, still helps us out from time to time. And uh, then he ran for office and was successful, served in an office, ran for office a second time, barely got squeezed out in that one. Kyle Herman, you've got a lot to say to us. Talk to us. Yeah, so um, really without building off of everyone else or without, you know, kind of just repeating what they've said, um, I think there's actually a lot of hope for Gen Z. Um, one thing about Gen Z is that I realized the other day, we haven't actually reached our point of leadership yet. And I, I put Gen Z at around 1996 and after, I don't know if it's 96 or 99, but somewhere in there, basically kids born right around the time of 9-11 and the new millennium um, is where we're looking at. Um, we haven't really gotten to our positions of high leadership. We don't run universities. We don't run schools. And so what we're actually seeing in our culture um, is really the millennials. So I'm going to peg it on them. Um, all the things that are going on are kind of their fault, um, not ours. And so I think that's really encouraging because some of the things that we can hope for for Gen Z um, have yet to be revealed. So I saw an article that actually talked about how Gen Zers um, are anti-political correctness. That makes them uncomfortable when people are being censored on Instagram. If it is just their favorite influencer, then they're not particularly happy about that. And um, there's a variety of other things. But the thing I want to point out is that Students for Life America, or one of the other big pro-life organizations, wrote an article in 2006 that said, the generations are becoming more and more pro-life. And I don't want to be crass about this, um, but really the reason that generations become more pro-life is if you have a generation of people or a group of people who are pro-death, then they don't reproduce and there are less of them over time. So the pro-life generation does actually continue to get bigger and they continue to have families and pass those values on. So actually very, very encouraging how we got from that article in 2006 to where we are now. Um, the pro-life movement that stood outside of the Supreme Court the day Roe was overturned was very young. I do know that. Um, touching on what I think Gen Z could do. So, you know, basically I agree with what everyone else is saying. One thing that I find really encouraging is that there were 56 signers of the declaration 
not that many for starting an entire country. So it doesn't take that many to set off an amazing course of events. And I did run for office at the age of 21. I put my name on the ballot, put out some signs, got endorsements from some leaders, and I got on a board. And I served for four years, and I'm at the end of my first term on that. So my encouragement to Gen Z and to the younger generations and other conservatives is to go out and make your voice heard because you will miss 100% of the chances you don't take. Uh, me, a young Republican, I got elected to office in California. Let's just establish that so it is possible um, to get a victory. I did not win my most recent race um, but there could be a variety of factors for why that is. So the Gen Zs have great potential, um, gun rights, uh, free speech, um, pro-life, all those sorts of things. Um, there's some indicators that they are moving in a positive direction, and I think we will continue to see that. As for how Gen Zs or younger people or conservatives in general can get involved, go out and take a shot and you might just get a victory and you can continue to win. And even if you don't win, what you learn in that process sets you up for the next stage in life. I've, I've walked with, I feel like hundreds of hundreds of people, campaigns, I've been involved since age nine in this. And I'll tell you, the people, even if they've lost, they come out so much more sophisticated. Boy, what they know, what they've learned, and the impact they have as a result of even that experience is really profound. Kyle Herman, thank you so much. We're going to go right to Joya Giampa. We're staying in California right now. We're going to get to the Midwest and we're going to head all the way to the East Coast with some of the people talking. Joya Giampa right here in Orange County, in the south of Los Angeles. And this is one busy girl. She's a concert pianist, a classical pianist. She's, she's a singer. She's a guitarist. She's an equestrian. She's a marksman. You don't want to challenge her at a gun range. Uh, she can she can do just about everything. She's multi-talented uh, and manages an unbelievable schedule. And she works for Wellversed. So when you get the newsletter, when you get the newsletters from Wellversed, uh, she's the one that helps put those together, and a ton of other things she does for Wellversed. Julia, we're so glad you're on with us. Talk to us. Dr. Garlow, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to be here again on, on the World Prayer Network. And it's been amazing hearing from each one of you so far. You've really um, educated me a lot too and inspired me. But um, I guess as, I, as was mentioned earlier, I, I don't want to sugarcoat it. Um, our world is going crazy. It feels like our nation is going crazy. And there's just so much um, immorality and degeneration that's going on. And, and it can be discouraging and overwhelming at times. Um, I was praying about what to share with you guys, and I was I was thinking about maybe addressing it more from a spiritual aspect, actually. And um, everybody's everybody's talked so eloquently about all these different issues. So um, one thing that I wanted to bring up was this concept of personal responsibility. Now I was homeschooled my whole life, my sisters and I, and we were raised with this concept of personal responsibility, taking responsibility for yourself and your duties. Um, and tasks that are placed in your charge. And so what does personal responsibility look like as a Christian when we're in this environment where um, we need to be the shining light and, and how can we do that by taking personal responsibility? So fulfilling the call that Jesus has placed on each one of our lives is, is super important. And he gives 
different people, unique callings. Maybe you're good at art or music or um, the gift of hospitality or the gift of helps or preaching. But God has also placed on each one of us a general calling that all Christians are commanded to fulfill. And it's, it's Matthew 28, 19, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything that Christ has commanded us. And um, as I heard in a sermon this morning, there's a different path for us as believers. We're set apart. We're set apart to walk a different path. We don't walk in the way of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds, as Romans says. So I just wanted to comment on three points that um, I found that would be really good as Christians to focus on um, in the midst of pursuing these different movements excuse me, movements and organizations and causes to um, spread the gospel and make an impact in our country, we need to remember um, in all that busyness to put Jesus first, to put a relationship with Christ first, to put him as the focus of our lives and focus on him. Um, because without him, we can't accomplish any of these things. So putting Jesus first in each of our own individual lives. And I was thinking about it too, actually, digressing for a minute. Um, to change the nation, we need to change a bunch of individuals' hearts. So really it starts on an individual level and in your daily life, reaching out to people in your sphere and changing and impacting those individual hearts with the Holy Spirit inside of you, with Christ ministering to them through you. So then the second point would be to walk in godly counsel, to forsake ungodly counsel. If we want to be impactful, if we want to be powerful in these movements and these things that we're, we're working towards to um, impact the country and make an impact in our nation, we need to make sure that we're walking in godly counsel, that we're listening to people who are truly following the Lord, that we're reading the word of God, and we're taking counsel from that and not maybe ungodly counsel. That might sound good, but doesn't abide by the word of God. And then thirdly, we need to share our faith as we're going to Patriot Academy or America Fest or whatever other event, or even in our just daily lives, um, we need to reach out and share our faith and be a shining light to others. So. Also, I'd heard about people doing this and I hadn't done it for myself um, yet, but I, I did it for this year. So it, what I'm talking about is picking a word for the year. And the word I picked for this year was hope. And we need to remember that even in this craziness, even in these dark, evil days, even in the days of Elijah, that we have hope. Our hope is in Christ and we need to hold on to that. And I wanted to close off reading a passage from Matthew that says it's so much better than I ever could. You all probably already know this passage. It's Matthew 5. 13 through 16. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill shall not be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Guys, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let us together march forth in faith in hope and in the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for letting me share Dr. Garlow. Again, it's been a huge honor. God bless you all. Wow. I started to say you put the frosting on the cake, but the Holy Spirit <laughs> challenged me. He said, no, you put the foundation under the house. Yeah. Is what you <laughs> that was so good. How old are you, Julia? I'm 19. And this is a 19-year-old who, she's working to establish financial independence at a very early age, by the way. Yes, sir. Uh, this is quite a remarkable woman. Now we're going to drop the age on down to 17. Her sister, Gemma, 
uh, Gemma Giamba. Now, this is a young lady who's already had it at her young age. She's had four to five years of vocal training. She's involved in singing and acting and musical theater. She has a dream to lift up and exalt the Lord in this arena of giftedness. You go to YouTube, type in Gemma Giampa, you're going to see her singing some of the Broadway musical classics on there. So Gemma, at age 17, uh, talk to us. Thank you so much, Dr. Garlow. It's a huge honor to be on here. Thank you so much for having me on this. I'm so excited to talk to all of you. This It's been amazing hearing from each of you. So thank you all for coming on here. It's It's been really amazing. So to kind of address the question of where where's America headed, what is happening in America today? Uh, it's a pretty big question. There's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of things that seem to be really going downhill, but there are also a lot of things happening that can give people hope. Things like Patriot Academy, things like America Fest. Uh, I'm sure, I mean, a lot of young people I've been seeing are getting involved in just basically what's going on around them. If it's with politics, if it's in their own arenas, whatever that is. And it can be theater. For me, it's it's been theater and singing, musical theater. And that's that's what I found. Like everybody can find their own little niche and you can grow yourself in that. And that is how you can influence the people around you. And then ultimately that is how you can influence the country. So while there are a lot of things that are bad and the immorality and oh my goodness just the absolute craziness of of the world and it, it can be pretty unbelievable to see all that we can influence people in our own arenas and we can change the world just one person at a time and that can really change a lot of things so yeah it's been it's been pretty cool to see that change taking place just in these little arenas thank you Gemma. thank you so much good having you on well, we're going to go now to Fort Wayne, Indiana. We're going to go to Caitlin Mervar. Uh, Caitlin, uh, her family's involved heavily in local politics. Is that great or what? And she particularly is taking up the cause fighting for defending life of preborn babies. She's organized walks in front of Planned Parenthood. Caitlin, I am so proud of you for doing that. Keep that up. That is so great. Sometimes I ought to tell you, Caitlin, about my time's once a month going to the killing centers abortuaries in Dallas-Fort Worth on Saturday mornings and some things we saw and some victories that we had as we saw them reduced from 12, reduced the number enormously. And she works with all kinds of pro-life advocates in, in, including starting, I believe she started her own website called standforlifetoday.com if I've got that one right. Caitlin from Fort Wayne, Indiana, talk to us. Hi, thank you so much for having me on and thank you so much for standing for life yourself. It does make a difference. Um, they have no, they have a lot of what they call no show when there's people out there. I think it can be up to 70% of people that are coming to Planned Parenthood won't even show up if they see people out there. So if they see people out there praying and holding signs. So thank you for doing that. It really, it really does make a difference and it does close these places down. So I was praying about what I should share tonight because I had to think about what Julia said with her ward for the year being hope. My ward this year was faith. And if you're going to choose that, expect God to grow you in your faith. Unlike 
you'd ever expect. I've seen God work in so many miraculous ways. I've seen miracles and I've seen God just um, really work in my life and grow my faith this year. And it was just overwhelming to think about how to even condense that into a couple minutes and just share God's testimony in my life and what he's doing in and through me and can do in each and every one of you and everyone on this prayer call. When you're willing to step out in faith and go where God calls you, he will use you. And it's just, it's just so, so overwhelming because God chooses to use us. He doesn't have to use us, but he allows us to be a part of his master plan. So how I got involved with Standing for Life was I did Patriot Academy and I didn't really want to do Patriot Academy. I kind of considered myself not really being political. That was kind of like for those weirdos who like that sort of thing. But God opened my eyes um, that um, the killing of the preborn is just, it's wickedness in his sight. And no nation can endure who permits what he what God forbids, and that is the killing of preborn the preborn children. Um, and I believe that with all my heart. And I tell people now that um, when I warned that killing babies is political, I got political. So everything we care about is political. Marriage is polit they now say is political. The killing of preborn children is political. So when people say they're not political, they really say that in ignorance, not realizing that everything we do in our lives is political and we have to be involved. Uh, we have to be involved in the political process. So um, the Lord led me to Hoosiers for Life. Um, and that's how I got involved in Indiana to completely work on ending abortion in our state. We don't want it in our state. No compromise, no regulations, no exceptions. And that is um, where the Lord led me. Um, Amy Scalista, she's a homeschool mom and she just, um, she just founded Who's Just for Life because she wanted to see um, a difference in her state. Um, she also founded Liberty Defense, which got my family and many other families this past election to run for office. We had over 200 candidates step up in Indiana, just liberty movement, liberty minded to run for public office, run against a lot of the rhinos in our state. And God, we just saw God sweep across this state. Unfortunately, the discouragement I would see is um, we do have election fraud. Um, we've seen the stolen election of 2020. Um, those January 6 political prisoners who are still in prison to this day, two years now, having not seen their families, having not even had a trial, and um, just the mass slaughter of the preborn. But the hope that I'm given is that God is able to use us when we step out in faith to um, bring glory to his name, when we step out in the different areas he's given us and just trust him to show up and walk in and dress. Um, when I first went to stand at a Planned Parenthood, I was terrified. I'd never done that before. And I didn't know what would I say to someone, but I was just putting myself where God would have me and just trusting that he would use me to speak if I were to speak. Um, Amy Scalista, founders of Who's Just for Life, connected me with Eva Edel. Um, you may have heard her name in the news recently. Um, she um, is a World War II death camp survivor, actually. And when she was nine years old, she was in a death camp um, and um, she nearly died, but God kept her alive for a purpose for such a time as this. And uh, she's poured into me. And she actually, when she came to America, saw the death camps in our midst as being the taking of innocent lives. And um, she stood up for that her whole life um, now here in America. And she would even write letters to those in um, Russia who were still um, in death camps after the world war ended. Um, and she prayed with me about who I was to write and the Lord just led me to write the political prisoners. So that's the patriotmailproject.com. If you haven't heard of that, look it up. 
Um, God is able to walk in and through us when we step out in faith. Duty is all as results of God's. I don't know if you've heard the John Quincy Adams story, but how he fought and fought and fought to end slavery um, on the house floor, never seeing the results in his day. But he poured into a young man under him who um, ran for office and kept kept getting, um, he, wouldn't, he wasn't elected, he wasn't elected until he was elected president of the United States, and his name was Abraham Lincoln, and then he went on to end slavery. So we don't know whether we'll see the results in our days or, or if our kids will see in their day, but we do what's right. Duty is ours, results are God's. Always stand up. It's always right to do the right thing, and it's always wrong to do wrong. And um, if, if, if I can do this, anyone can do this. So thank you so much for having me on tonight. Kaylin, you're remarkable. Praise God for you. Um, and thanks for bringing up the political prisoners we have in our nation right now. Uh, that, that is heartbreaking uh, under horrible conditions. Never have I seen that before in my country. Cannot believe this is happening. Uh, just, uh, just We've reported numbers of times in terms of political prisoners, what's happening to Janine Añez, the former interim pres <clears throat> president of Bolivia, strong believer. <clears throat> serving a 10-year sentence for trumped-up charges, bogus. We just heard, just we were going on the air, I hadn't got a chance to tell Rosemary yet. Our good friend, we were in Bolivia, and we met with Fernando Camacho. They've just thrown him in prison. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's terrible. It's tough oh, news, no. the socialist. This is a man who um, stood for liberty, and the story around him is, I won't go into the story, it's an incredible story. We need to focus another show on Bolivia and bring you up to speed what happened there how God used this man and, and Janine Añez, the interim president. But I appreciate, Caitlin, you you mentioning the political prisoner. Yeah, of course. If you've heard of Jeremy Brown, he's running, he ran for office from prison in Florida. He's actually, he spoke out against the FBI and what they were doing, and they put him in prison for that. So, you know, we just need more to stand up and speak out about what they're seeing. Don't self-censor anymore. We got to start speaking. <clears throat> Well, Cody, I'm going to you next. We're going to Washington, D.C. Uh, uh, now, Cody works in government. Here's a passionate lover of Jesus, passionate lover of America, a patriot, a politically savvy, a conservative. He works in, Cody, is it okay if I say where you work? Is that acceptable? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, he works in cybersecurity and infrastructure security agencies, CISA, and Department of Homeland Security. Uh, Cody, we're so glad that you're on. I so appreciate you share with us. Well, thank you, Dr. Garlow. It's an honor to be here, and thank you for everyone for speaking. Um, first of all, I just want to say that I have great hope for really every sphere of society uh, in America. I think we have a charge as Christians to be prisoners of hope, and no matter what, um, we expect God to move and and really great things to happen. So I am hopeful, um, and I see uh, basically a sleeping giant. First of all in the church. Um, I think the book of Revelation talks about the Laodicean church and um, how, you know, and is the people that have rejected Christ but have clung to this religion called wokeism and this progressivism because there's so many people that are hungry for purpose. Um, they want something that's greater than themselves. And um, Christ is the most authentic, real um, reason to live. And so I'm just, as their revival happens in the church, which I'm expecting, as we go out and be the salt and the light, I'm truly believing that these people that have identified with this wokeism and this progressive agenda will see the reality, how futile and wrong that is, and come to a relationship really with God. And 
because people are tired of being deceived. Like the things of the world doesn't work, right? So, and even the Bible says there'll be so much deception in the last days that even the elect can be deceived, right? Or will be deceived. That's what it says. And look at how this, the people that are on the face of the earth are so marketed towards. They're so targeted and people feel that it's at times it's inauthentic. That's what I'm seeing. So look at Sam Bankman Freed recently. You had stadiums being named. I don't know if you guys, you guys are probably, you guys are all savvy. You guys are all familiar with it, but stadiums were being named after this cryptocurrency. Uh, celebrities, um, you know, Tom Brady, Steph Curry, these people were, they had no idea really what it was. They were just getting paid to go out and, be a voice for something. And it was just a fraud. And people are hungry for authentic. And I think people are waking up to the reality that there's a lot of frauds out in this world. There's a lot of deception. And they want uh, something that's real. And I believe that we have an opportunity to bring that. The, like a negative definition of religion would be like um, a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And I believe as we humble ourselves, we really come to the Lord and walk with him. We're going to bring about like an authenticity for change in people's lives. And I, it's almost like when the Israelites got to the place at the Red Sea, they got out and it was impossible. Like unless God moved and did something, they really came to the end of themselves. And I believe that what we, the only option to change this nation, government, Hollywood, whatever it is, we have to you know, faith without works is dead. We got to be going for it. But the only things that's going to change it is the anointing in Isaiah that talks about the anointing that breaks the chains. I mean, we've had so many people that go to meetings and there's gifted people and that's great. And we want to be gifted, but people go and they hear prophecy and they hear great teaching, but they leave and a week later, their life is the same, you know, because we, I believe we have to contend for the anointing that breaks the chain. You can have giftedness. You can have, Billy Graham gave a great thing. He said, take the Holy Spirit out of the church and 95% of the church would go on business as usual because we could do things without, you know, we could do things in our natural state. But I believe that, you know, we are right for a people that have come to the end of themselves. Um, Bobby Connor, who I don't know if you guys know this guy, but he's a, a minister that I listen to. I've had the honor of meeting too. Um, and he's, he, he always says, God's finally found a people weak enough to work through. And that doesn't mean you go around and you're like, oh, weak. It, the Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. But Paul says, I boast in my weakness. And out of this place of humility, God is going to move. He's going to transform America. He's going to transform lives, salvations. I truly believe that it's not by strength nor by might, but by his spirit. And when people really come to a place of humility and really relying on the spirit, we're going to see a major change in America. Uh, one other last thing I'll say is um, something that really exemplifies this is in the, in, the, in the Gospels. It talks about the end of the time, basically, and the wheat and the tares. Well, the wheat and the tares, the tares are bad, but they, at full maturity, at harvest time, they stand straight up and the tip is black. So there's pride and wickedness. But, the, but if you look at wheat, it bends over and it gets almost like a white light so it's humility and purity and so i just believe that there's going to be a remnant on the earth that walks and abides with god who goes into all the spheres of society they live in their whatever sphere god's called you to and they bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven out of place of deep intimacy and it's going to come through the anointing that breaks the chains um 
there was kind of a famous prophecy years ago um, about a nameless, faceless generation. I believe it was true. And the prophecy was essentially there was the Christians walked in such power and such wisdom that the secular media and the secular people took note and they said, who are these people? They're like a nameless and a faceless generation, but they walk in such power and authority. And I believe that like mm-hmm. out of this place, I know the generations, it's, it's biblical to talk about generations. Um, and sometimes we think like, oh, the older generation's going to pass the baton off to the younger generation. But, and there's maybe truth to that, but I, I see it like, for such a time as this, all the generations walking together, you could have a four-star general with a private and at a certain time, you might not even, they might walk inside by side, you might not even know the difference, but a family of God that knows how to walk as the army of God to be uh, vigilant in their day-to-day lives and to go and to really bring transformation by the spirit because all the great strategies and we need strategies and going out and putting your hand to the plow, we need all that. But the, at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to change is the anointing that breaks the chains. And it, it, it God gets all the glory. You know, he's going to use the people that are humble. Let the weak say I am strong. And we're going to go out and um, bring the kingdom of heaven, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and that will lead to political transformation and every sphere of society. So as I was praying, that's kind of what I was um, felt led to bring. And I'm very hopeful and expectant for uh, the future in America. So thank you, uh, for doing this and everybody for being here. And it's very encouraging. So. Cody English. Thank you so much, man. Folks, if you, if you missed church this morning, you just got an incredible sermon. So you, you, you're, you're now <laughs> you're in church. That was, that was as strong as it gets Cody talking about the anointing. Thank you for doing that. Well, we're going to go to Gabrielle and a law student about to graduate from law school. And we're going all the way to Philadelphia. Philadelphia, talk to us. Hello. Oh my goodness, Cody, you got me so fired up. Everything you said is spot on. And we can look at what's going on in our world, um, but the Bible tells us not to do that. It says, don't look side to side. We look up. And the Holy Spirit is so on fire right now. The church there's this lukewarm and God didn't want that. So what's he doing? He's purifying his bride. And so I'm just going to come a little bit from a spiritual perspective. Um, that Holy Spirit, you would speak through me. You've spoken through everybody here. There is a huge growth of people who are understanding and believing in prophecy. There are people who are prisoners of hope. They are holding on to hope. There are people that are having visions and dreams and wonders. And that's exactly what the Bible prescribes is going to happen. So when we look out and we see the craziness that everybody has alluded to here, yes, that that really shouldn't surprise us. When we look through the scriptures, we get to Revelation, it says, in the end, it says, good's going to be bad and bad is going to be good and it's all going to be turned upside down. So when we see that happening, that's not scary. Instead, to me, I'm excited. Um, And as Cody or somebody mentioned the Red Sea, I think that's where we are. And I think it's incredible. You know, the Israelites were slaves for 400 years before God parted the Red Sea. They were praying. They were asking. They wanted to see God move during every one of those years. We are a generation. We are a people living on the earth who are seeing God move at that level of miracle day in and day out. Um, You know, today is the first day that we say in the past, 
Roe versus Wade was overturned last year. <clears throat> Until today, we still were in the year that Roe versus Wade was overturned. That We prayed for that for 50 years. There are people that prayed for that, that didn't get to see that happen, but we did. We saw that. I worked on that. And to see what God did in that process, that's incredible. So we need to hold on to that. We need to hold on to that miracle because good is bad, bad is good. We're going to see all this crazy stuff happening, but we're going to look at God and that's what he's doing. We're in a strengthening mode. You know, when we look, it says you're born, when you become born again, you are put into the middle of a war, whether you like it or whether you don't like it, you're in a war. If you align with Jesus, if you follow Jesus, there is an automatic enemy that targets you. So when you're in a war, what do you do? You go through training. You have to learn how to fight the battles. Look at our military in the United States. You don't just sign up for the military and they send you across seas. You have to be trained. You have to be taught. So of course, we're going to have spiritual warfare. Of course, we're going to have strange things happening. And you know what? I was reading something with Derek Prince. You have to learn how to handle the spiritual warfare on an individual level before God can use you to handle the spiritual warfare on a national level. Every person here and probably most that are watching this, we all grieve for America and we want the Lord's hand of favor upon our country. So we're going to have to go through the training and the testing on the individual level so God can use us to work with him on the national level. It's not scary, though. It's exciting because in God's world, you don't fail a test. You just get another test and another test and another test till you figure out how to work with God and he gives you his next assignment. The Holy Spirit, that's all the difference. It's exactly what Cody was talking about. You know, when God, when Jesus left and he gave us the Holy Spirit, that's what makes us different right now. It's not us. It's the Holy Spirit. But here's the, the fun thing. Now that Roe versus Wade is God, that was, that was a national curse that sat over our country. And there's only so much the Lord can do to favor a land that is nationally allowing people to kill their babies. But that's gone on a national level. Sure, we have different states at all different places. It's not okay. And there's a lot of work to be done. But God, the Holy Spirit is working in this country. He's bringing all of the bad up to the front. The enemy's not even hiding anymore. Everything's out in the open. And so God's making it really clear, really black and white, so people can choose their sides and figure out what they want to do. And all that we have to do is keep testifying. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. Jesus didn't walk around convincing. Jesus didn't walk around demanding. Jesus walked around speaking the truth and the Holy Spirit and the Lord convicts the hearts. So right now we're in a season this fresh year, I truly believe there is going to be such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our country and around the world. And we can ask for that. You know, the scriptures talk about um, in Matthew and in Luke, it says, ask and you will, uh, ask and it will answer. You will receive, knock, the door shall be open, seek and you will find. But if you read the next scripture, it talks about like a father. It says, if you ask for something, your father's going to give it. How much more would your heavenly father give it? And in Luke, it specifies, it says, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit? So we can ask for natural things, for good grades on our tests. We can ask for natural things to be done in our households and relationships. 
But the guarantee, the promise is that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, God's going to give you the Holy Spirit. And then what we see in scripture in Ephesians, it says that God can accomplish more through us beyond what we could imagine, but it's not us. It's through the power of his spirit. So when we ask for more of his Holy Spirit that he promises to give us, he's going to accomplish more than we can imagine, more than we could dream, more than we could think about. It's a promise. It's a covenant. We have a covenant God who keeps his promises. And, you know, um, I was with Michelle Bachman a few weeks ago, and she brought me to Psalm 75, and everybody needs to read it, but especially the last verse, that last verse, it's Psalm 75, 10, and it says, for God says, I, God, I will break the strength of the wicked, but I will increase the power of the godly. That doesn't mean he's going to increase me, he's going to increase my, he's going to increase the Holy Spirit. And every person who's a vessel of the Holy Spirit, God's going to move through. That's the miracles. That's the signs when the Holy Spirit's moving. And that's what convicts. That's what convinces. And like Julia said, we have to deal. Yes, there's a lot going on nationally, but we're really a conglomerate of tons of individuals, not bad people, unclean spirits. Remember, we're in a spiritual war. And what we see playing out in our government, what we see playing out in our relationships, what we see playing out in our local areas, it's a spiritual battle. The heat's turned up, but God only does that when he knows the people that he has on the earth. He preserved every person. This is truly how I feel. I promise I'll stop. But he preserved everyone who is walking on this earth right now to be in his army in 2023. That's a privilege. That's exciting. This isn't a mistake. So I don't know. I'm a prisoner of hope. I've heard it through so many here. And that's what I see when I look out at our country. I see excitement because I see it's like, come on, God. All right, bring it on. We can do it. You can do it. And we get to watch and witness. I, I'm done. That's it. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be done. Oh, you make me want to be 20 years of age again. That is, is, is so good. And she, and she worked uh, as a law student on the Dobbs case. She was actually personally involved in, in, that, in that case. So uh, she has a vested interest in a special, unique way in the actual Supreme Court activities that were taking place. Um, is there anything that I'm, we're going to go into prayer in just a moment? But is there anything burning on anybody's heart you want to jump in and share? You're wide open. Anybody want to share anything? Maybe something somebody else said triggered you say, Oh man, I wish I had said that. So I'm going to throw it wide open to this to anybody. We'll go into prayer in a moment. But who wants to speak up and say anything that's on your heart right now? Go for it. I think I have one uh, that I, if, if that's okay, Dr. Garlow, uh, just something yep. that came to mind. And that is when it comes to, for example, we've we kind of discussed this idea, and I, I think I brought it up of, you know, Christians being willing to engage civically, uh, to be governmentally involved. And I guess you could say, uh, yeah, be politically um, aware and actually step up and whether, whether it's voting, running for office, uh, and not just focus on preaching the gospel, right? And I think what's also key is that I, I don't think we should be afraid of bringing our Christian worldview to the table. Um, and in fact, you know, 
we, we hear these phrases like, oh, you can't, especially when it comes to, you know, uh, a lot of our elected officials and politicians, you know, they often quoted phrases, you can't legislate morality, right? No, all laws in some way or another are enforcing a moral worldview. The question is, which worldview is it, right? And I think uh, we look at what the what the left what 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 one side has been doing to really tear this country down and what i believe is it's crucial that we don't just uh try to get rid of the bad we have to replace it with the good if that makes sense in, in other words we can't just uh, because now we have like new standards, right, in culture of like political correctness, of wokeness, of critical race theory, and things like that. The key is not just to, ab in one sense, abolish those or, or try to eliminate those from our our society necessarily. Yes, that's good. The, the, those 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 are those are evil ideas, but we need to then replace that with good moral Christian values, like traditional marriage uh, and, and things like that. Uh, and, and I think also another thing, and I'll close with this, is that we might, we might have to be okay, especially when it comes to elected officials and politicians, to be willing to use the means that they have governmentally, it, it, uh, obviously limited to the constitution and obviously justly and prudently, but using the government in one sense to encourage the good right and, and i don't know if that makes sense it's like incentivizing people to do what they ought to do and look yes there is a difference when you're censoring the bible i, I heard this at america fest and i think it's so true you know a lot of times we're scared of using quote unquote the government now again i'm not arguing for authoritarianism authoritarianism or anything it's that there is a difference between banning the bible and stopping, for example, drag queen story hour from being in, in libraries, right? So ultimately we also have to look at the substance of what we're doing. So that's just something I wanted to just kind of mention is that, yeah, we, 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 it's, it's okay to bring our worldview to the table and you know, we, we have to legislate some form of, of morality through our laws. And sometimes we could use the government in a just, prudent, limited way to encourage the good and the true. Precisely, that's what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 13. Mm -hmm. He would agree with you, Moses would agree with you, therefore God agrees with you. That's, the, <laughs> that's part of the purpose of government. Uh, anybody else? Uh, oh. um, so what you were just saying, Tristan, is so spot on. That is Psalm 7510. It, God says he's gonna do it. He says, I'm gonna decrease the strength of the wicked but I will increase the power of the godly. It's a transition. It's a shifting. And so we're going to see it because God's going to do that. Um, and I think that that's really important. And I wanted to share this story of encouragement of a tangible way. We need to bring God with us into these places of government. And I, I'm coming from a law degree. Like I get the establishment clause. I understand all of that. I fear God a heck of a lot more than I fear anything else. And I need God with me. We need God with us when we go into meetings, when we go into conversations. A few years ago, 
um, my, we, my family puts together the national day of prayer for our county. And my mom went to meet with some of our county, um, the, I forget what they're called. Anyway, she went into it and she said, hi, she said, can I start with a prayer? And they all looked at each other and they said, okay. So she prayed. And at the end of the meeting, uh, one of the county council, it was the county council, one of the members came up and said, I've never had anybody asked to do that before. And she was shocked and he was shocked and it really impressed upon him. So as each of us and anybody that really is on fire with the Lord, every chance you get, you just bring God in. The worst they could say is no, and God's still with you and God's going to take you. So yes, I agree wholeheartedly, Tristan. Way to go. Yeah, and I saw your hand up. Okay. And I was just going to go off of what she said. Yeah. Everywhere we go, we just, we have to start proclaiming the gospel more. We've been su such timid, fearful Christians. I feel like for so long, we've kept it in the church bubble instead of going out and proclaiming the gospel. And the gospel really is so simple and that we have broken God's law. And that is the 10 commandments. Each of us has stolen in some, in some way we have lied. We have, um, God says lust is as adultery and murder is as hatred. And when you present the law, the 10 commandments to people, they're going to see that they have broken God's law, the 10 commandments, and that on judgment day, they're not going to be good enough to get into heaven because he is a holy and just God and he must um, uphold his law. But that's why he sent his one and only son, Jesus, that if we repent of our sins, putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we shall be saved from sin and that he took that punishment that we deserve so we don't have to pay the price for our sins. But I just want to share that because I feel like that's the most important thing we can share um, anywhere we go. And we just have to start doing it more often and not being fearful. And I just wanted to encourage everyone on you to do something, just do something, whether that's running for school board or just going and sitting in on the school board meetings, even if your kids aren't in that district. My family did that. Um, speak up for someone, you know, like go, go stand out at your Planned Parenthood. Um, Find where, out where these places of death are in your city and go expose them. Um, run for precinct committeemen and state delegate. If you run for those positions, you basically get to choose the party platform for the Republican Party. And it's as simple as like going downtown to your local um, state office and just like signing a few papers and just putting your name on the ballot. My, my whole family, um, my youngest brother was just 2018. And we all signed up to be state delegates and we got to go to the state delegate convention and you choose party platform. And so just, just do something um, each and every day, ask the Lord what it can be. If, and if you're terrified of riding a political prisoner or if you're terrified of standing for life, then guess what? You're qualified because God does not call the equipped. He equips the called and what he has called us to do. He will give us the strength. It is in our weakness that he has made strong. So just do something get out there. We got to stop complaining around the kitchen table about the things we see in the culture and actually get involved in making a difference. It's not going to change while we sit at home. We got to go out and do something. Right. Somebody else. Real. As well as that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Okay. Real quick. Uh, just as really quick. I'm just like encouraged by the story of Peter. And I just really feel like keeping our eyes on Jesus in the midst of the storm, being out here in DC, I personally, and you could disagree, that's fine. But I personally think that Donald Trump is not done. Okay. But I, I will bring that opinion and a, particularly among a lot of Republican staffers on Hill and people here, I've gotten some just saying that like almost nonchalantly some very like vitriolic responses. And it really surprised me. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know, it, it kind of surprised me. 
it, but just an encouragement to really like keep your eyes because it, it probably we you know read the bible it's probably going to get a little stormy but our hope is far greater and the last little thing i feel like saying is like we talk about the restoration to america and i believe god's going to bring some great justice and a, a lot of um a great measure of restoration to america um but also to the individuals listening, he just as much wants to bring that restoration mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually into your life individually also. So it's both and uh, I just wanted to encourage people about that. Uh, but anyway, that's all. Great. Uh, Caleb, I saw your hand next. Yeah, no, no, this is real. This is real, by the way. Uh, it's because Donald Trump's the only one that poses a genuine threat to the establishment. But I wanted to go back. She mentioned the establishment clause. Uh, and then hearkening back to uh, to Tristan's point, this isn't like um, a, a new thought we're bringing up as far as um, our, our laws should reflect Christian morality. Up until the 1840s, eight out of the 13 original states had state established churches. You couldn't hold office in New Hampshire unless you were Protestant until like 1873. Um, you look yeah. at the role that the church played, uh, like in the production of our media in this country. You look at the total banning of pornography with the Comstock laws after the Civil War, these sorts of things. Most states had uh, laws against cross-dressing. So th these aren't uh, new things, or they'll tell you that they're un-American, right? Uh, or a lot of the conservative movement is very focused on preserving this non-existent amoral power vacuum. It's not, it's a zero-sum game. Uh, and we can, in fact, defeat the communists if we really wanted to. So uh, no, no, this is absolutely true. Oh my goodness, very good. Yeah, go ahead, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was rather fitting that the, that the lawyer uh, spoke about the nation being judged. I think that she was she was right in saying that the nation was under a curse since the since uh, Roe v Roe v Wade was uh, that precedent was handed down. And I also want to say that um, it, it says in in Genesis that um, that the nation actually God will judge in relation to how we deal with Israel. So God deals with nations in relation to how they deal with Israel. And I see a decline in America around the advocacy, the support of Israel. Um, it used to be a bipartisan, but now the Democrats have completely abandoned the nation of Israel. And um, I thought that that was, that was really great that she brought that up. Well said, my brother. Well said. Well said. My wife's going to stand on the chair and start clapping if you keep talking like that. Well, we're going to wrap this up in a second. Anybody else have something burning on their heart they want to say? Otherwise, we're going to go to prayer. Anybody? I yeah, Pastor. Dr. Garth, that's okay. After Gemma, go for it. Okay, thank you. So just one one really quick thing is that everybody, they've they've all been extremely eloquent, and it's been really a treat to listen to everybody and all their, um, and all their thoughts. Just one thing is that the family unit is so important. So all these young people, if they become strong Christians and they become strong parents and moms and dads and they raise up their children, right? That's so important because that is how you can take back a country and that is how you can pass down your values. And that, I thought that that was just a, a very beautiful picture of how like you can really transform a country. Thanks wow. again. Wow. Thank you, Gemma. Somebody else started to say something. I wasn't sure who it was. Uh, meme. Um, yeah. So what Pastor Jim said right as I finished uh, my first one, it really hit me. So something that came to my mind on election day this year as I was just waiting for the returns to come in was actually what Teddy Roosevelt said about the man in the arena. And I won't read it, but basically we know that 
Um, you know, he says it's not the critic who counts, not the one who's standing on the outside pointing in, um, but it's the man who's wrestling, who's fighting and who's marred and um, bruised and beaten. But this is the line that gets me. If he fails, he at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. So my question is, um, you know, to the listeners, if you've heard the question, you know, are you better off than you were four years ago? My question is, uh, what are you afraid of, right? If you're afraid of going to jail um, for going out and doing something, if you're afraid of getting mocked or laughed at or canceled on social media, I think you will come to find out um, that it's a lot less scary when you actually have to face it. Um, I was in Washington, D.C. during the inauguration of President Trump, and there were riots, actual you know, bricks through window sort of riots. And I've been to Washington, D.C. six times since then. It didn't stop me from going there. And it was pretty frightening. So, you know, when you go out there, you might experience scary things, but it'll only make you stronger and you'll be able to continue to fight. Way to go. Can I say one more comment? Sure. Um, I wanted to share a little on what Kyle said and what Gemma said about the family unit. And that really is so wise. I believe that one of the enemy's biggest tactics against the church has been separating the generations and dividing them. You have your kids in daycares. You have a lot of kids in school, 40 out, like more of their time is in school than with family. A lot of parents are at work and grandparents, many are put in nursing homes. Everybody's separated. And one of the beauty I mean, what we see in the Bible is the complete opposite. It's family units staying together. It's generations working together. That's how you have Paul guiding Timothy. And the reason is because it's the older generations that have the wisdom, the experience, the boldness, because they've seen it, they've done it. And I know every person speaking here, I'm sure if I ask, they have many mentors, parents, guides, that's their, you know, like my closest group is like 40 years older than me, but that's how, that's who I'm learning from every day. That's who's pushing me when I don't want to do things, when I'm scared, when I fear people. And it's the wisdom of these generations before us that say, but you fear God more, just do what God's telling you to do. So I truly believe that's something we all can intentionally work on young adult groups and schools and Bible studies, they not scare me, but I really think that intergenerational component and we have to be intentional because they've broken up the family units. So it's not just in families, but in your churches, in your communities, we really need to stress to bring the generations back together so we can learn from those who went before us. And then we can take that energy. We can take that, that next level and go with that. So that's what I wanted to share. Oh, very good. Every one of you, this is, has been so, so encouraging. I'm going to just go right to prayer right now. And I'm going to, let's go in this order. Jim, Jim, I'm going to start with you as the youngest one. Would you lead in prayer first? And then followed by Tristan, uh, followed by Julia, then Kyle, then Caitlin. That's the first round. So once again, Gemma, Tristan, and then Julia. And Kyle and Caitlin, if we go in that order and you go right from one, once somebody hits the amen, the other one just starts right in without any, any break at all. Gemma, start leading us in prayer. Thank you so much, Dr. Garlitz. Bow our heads and pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all here on this on this platform, Lord. Just a time to share in your word and in your truth tonight, God. I pray that you would be with everyone who's watching this, Lord. I pray that you'd be with all of these young people. Thank you, God, for all the wisdom and the insight and the encouragement and the hope that was brought here tonight, Lord. You are such a good God, and we thank you for that. I pray that um, you would help us as we continue on this fight. Thank you, Lord, for um, bringing us all to 2023. What an amazing year that it's going to be. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen all of us as we go on and as we fight for you, Lord, and as we bring your values out to our culture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And Heavenly Father, Lord, we dedicate this incredible World Prayer Network call to you. Lord, what a, what a bright group of young people. I, I really, really feel so honored to uh, call these people my peers, some of them my friends. Uh, and, and I thank you, Lord, that uh, you have placed all of us here for such a time as this, when it seems like the country is committing suicide and is descending lower and lower and declining and declining. I thank you, Lord, that you have put us here on this earth in America so that we could make a change, so that we could fight, so we could be the remnant that would help to turn this country back to you, to help to preserve the, the, the torch of liberty for generations to come. Father, I thank you that as we continue to learn and and, and, and advance in our careers and in whatever fields that we are in, Lord, may we not lose sight of what is most important. And that is ultimately seeking you and knowing you as our own Lord and Savior. We know that that is the foundation. And that once we, if we get this right, everything else will then fall into place. As Matthew says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added onto you. So Father, I thank you that you would continue to use us as your vessels, Lord, to share the gospel. I pray that you would continue to give us courage and strength to bring our Christian worldviews to the table, especially when it comes to politics. And I thank you, Lord, that you would help us to become like Daniel, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Daniel and his three friends, especially Daniel, though, because he didn't have to lose or compromise his faith in order to be promoted in a secular government. So, Father, I thank you that when we go out and we engage and, and we step up to the plate and we do something and take action, Lord, I thank you that we don't have to uh, give up our Christianity. We don't have to compromise. And I thank you that uh, our lives will be uh, so excellent and, and it will be so evident that something is so different about each and every one of us that, Lord, we will be able to have influence. And once again, I thank you that not just in politics, we, we know that's the great Andrew Breitbart said, politics is downstream of culture. And that is so true. So Father, I pray not just for the governmental arena, but for all of the spheres of culture, business, entertainment, uh, arts and entertainment, uh, education, the media. We understand that Christians, we need Christians, righteous people in those arenas so that the whole society and the whole nation can be, can be turned back to a righteous America. So Father, I thank you that the best is truly yet to come. We, as we celebrate this new year and we look back at 2022, 
we are so excited for what you are going to do in our lives. And so, Father, we surrender this to you. We recognize the importance, as it says in Jeremiah 29, 7, to seek the prosperity of the nation you are in, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So, Father, I thank you that you, that, that you are at work and you are doing something mighty. And, and, and I'm so grateful to be a part of it. And I'm so excited for what you are going to do. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Lord God, we thank you for this time. I thank you for each young person who is on this call for their heart, Lord, for you, for their passion. God, I pray that you would bless them, Lord. Keep them close to you. May they continue to follow you, Lord, in your ways. I pray for all of us that we would hold on to the hope that we have in Christ. And would you lead us and guide us in the way that, that we should go to make an impact for you in our country, Lord. And um, we know that these are dark days. So we just ask for strength in your Holy Spirit to keep us pure and righteous, Lord, as we follow you. And I just thank you for this time. I pray your blessing upon each person here and each person listening to this call. Amen. Yes, Father. Um... We do just thank you for this time and we thank you that you will raise up a generation that you continue to work in our world throughout all of the generations. And Father, the word says to seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And so I pray that you would help us as your people to be able to do just that. Help us to love you and love one another and go out with the power of the Holy Spirit uh, living within us. When we combine all of those things, we're practically an unstoppable force. God, thank you for your power that is at work within us. And I pray um, that you would convict us in ways that we have turned from you individually and as a nation, and that you would help us as individuals and as a group, as a country, uh, to turn our faces towards you and to seek you. In Jesus' name. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for bringing all these people together, um, more brothers and sisters in Christ that um, we didn't, I didn't even know were out there, Lord. It reminds me of in the Bible where Elijah says, I am the only one left. And you say, no, I have reserved a remnant for myself who has not bowed the knee to Baal. And I just thank you for bringing us together tonight to remind each other that there are, there is a remnant out there who has not um, bowed the knee to Baal, the Baal of idol worship in our, our day, the Baal of killing babies, innocent babies in their mother's womb, and just all the evils that we see going on. I thank you that there is a generation that is burying themselves in your ward and then going out and living that way. I just pray that you would continue to strengthen us and that you would give us courage for the days to come. We know that you have appointed us for such a time as this and that you have equipped us with everything that we need in your word. Everything that we need to go up against what's out there is in your word, the Bible, and we can count on it. And it is unchanging throughout time and it will remain unchanging. And that's how we can know that without a shadow of a doubt, your word is truth. And I just pray that you would continue to embolden us, help us to speak fearlessly. I forget if it's more than 365 times, but I know it's at least 365 times you've told us in your word to fear not. So you must have known that we have a struggle and tendency to fear, to fear the opinions of what men or editors may say of us or think of us. 
or um, what names will be labeled or called or self or censorship um, just for speaking truth. But Lord Jesus, you've called us to fear not, to put our hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ and to continue to strive um, towards heaven and towards the things that you um, have called us higher to. You've given us a higher calling than this world. And um, as I just think of all this, I just think of the quote I really um, found powerful for me in my own walk of faith recently. And it was, the way to stimulate and provoke others unto good works is to strive to outrun them in the race. The way to rebuke the cold and indifferent is to be always full of zeal and abounding in the work of the Lord yourself. Men will be much more ready to answer a call to come up to your level than a command to advance beyond you. And Lord, that just really resonated with me that what we want to see in the culture, what we want to see others doing, we need to be doing ourselves. So I just pray that you would give us the courage to step out in faith in 2023 and to see you walk in ways beyond what we could even imagine, immeasurably more than anything we could ever ask or imagine. We ask this in your precious name and King Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's continue on spirit of prayer. Cody, Caleb, Johnny, and uh, Gabrielle. In that order, if you'll all unmute, Cody, Caleb. Johnny and Gabrielle, uh, Cody, lead us in prayer, if you would. You got it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you that you are faithful, Lord. We just thank you that um, you do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the uh, power that works within us. Father, we just thank you that you have a, a plan. You have a deliverance for America, for this nation, for your people, Lord God, um, and that, Lord, your ways are higher than our ways, but we walk by faith, and we just, every step of the way, ask for revelation and direction and wisdom, Lord God. We pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord, that we would um, constantly be living by the word and by faith and by spirit, Lord, uh, that you would speak to us and reveal to us uh, the plans and the, and the purposes that you have for not only us, not only for the church, but for our nation and for others around us, Lord. We just pray that you would put us on fire for you, Lord God. Bring the anointing that breaks the chains in our lives, Lord God, that that the anointing, Lord God, that overcomes every obstacle, Lord. And so we're just so thankful. Um, give us fresh faith. Uh, awaken us to the reality of your kingdom and the authority that you've placed within us, Lord God. I pray that we would walk in true authority with your spirit greater are you that is in us lord give us that revelation let us live in that reality and bring your kingdom on this earth we just give you glory and praise for everything you've done you're doing and you're gonna do um and we're just thankful to be uh, to be yours and part of what you're doing in this season in jesus name amen jesus lord thank you for this day thank you for all the blessings you've given us Lord, I praise you for this excellent and very articulate group of people. Lord, we know that blessed is the nation who puts you as their Lord. Lord, I pray that you give us the strength and the guidance to reinstate you. Lord, I pray that we can put our nation on the correct track. Lord, we know that it will be very, very difficult. With your strength and guidance, we can do so. Jesus, Lord, please bless this great group of people. And Lord, please bless this once great nation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. Uh, tonight we have we have passed through your gates with thanksgiving, and we have entered these courts with praise. God, I just I, I just command a special anointing 
and a an uncommon hedge of protection around these shepherds here with us tonight. God, I pray for the God, I, I want to call down in this moment the, the mantle and the anointing of the sons of Issachar, that these men and women understood the times and what Israel ought to do. And, and God, I just want to pray right now and declare and celebrate in advance and rejoice in advance for a supernatural, an unseen and unprecedented unification of the American church. God, I just pray right now that there be a supernatural revelation of your nature, God, that you are a God of war, but you are also a God of love. And God, you are the same God who has trained our hands for war, our fingers for battle. And God, right now, I just pray that this nation has all these curses lifted from this land and that we return to the great God who, who first led us to these shores. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for this opportunity that we have gathered here today. Thank you for each and every person, Father God, who has shared their heart on this line. Thank you, Lord for coming to us in this time, for choosing us in this time. Thank you for Jim and Rosemary, for Judy, for everybody, Lord Jesus, that you have handpicked to walk this earth in 2023. We thank you for knitting us together, even as a prayer family, Lord Jesus, because mm. Holy Spirit, we know that you are moving. We know, and we have full faith, Father God, that Lord, you are doing things that even we can't see. And we're excited for that, Father God. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, Father God, as we come before you, we ask you, Holy Spirit, Father God, that you would release your anointing upon each person gathered here, upon each person that's joining in prayer tonight, Father God, or whenever they watch this, Father God, we are begging you, Father God, for an increase in the Holy Spirit, Father God, in our generation, in our world, Father God, Lord God, Lord Jesus, Father God, we love you with our whole heart. I pray, Father God, that you would create such a a hunger and a thirst for the Holy Spirit right now, Father God, in all of the generations that are walking this earth, Father God, that Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, you, Holy Spirit, Father God, would be so active in our communities that we would see those signs, miracles, and wonders that you promised us, Father God. We ask you, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, to protect us. We ask, Father God, for you to watch over us. We put on our armor, Father God, collectively for our generation, Father God. We put on the shoes of peace, the belt of truth, the absolute truth. Jesus, you are the truth. There is one truth, not his truth and her truth and their truth, but your truth, Father God the breastplate of righteousness, knowing that we are sinners, that we are fallen, Father God, that Lord Jesus, we've messed up. But Father God, when we receive you, Jesus, you dwell inside of us and you are righteous and pure. That righteousness, Father God, that breastplate of righteousness that guards our heart, for out of the heart, the mouth flows. We ask, Father God, for you to put on our helmet of salvation to recognize 
that it's going to be tough that it's going to be hard, but that our mind can stay stayed on you because God, you sent your one and only son to walk this earth, that he would be crucified, died, buried, and would come again, would be resurrected, that we would have the gift of salvation and eternity with you, Father God. So we put on that helmet of salvation, Father God, to guard our mind, Father God, and keep our eyes set upon you. We lift up our shield of faith for your word says that the weapons may be formed, but it promises that those weapons shall not prosper. So we hold that shield of faith. And as we gather here tonight and we hear young voices crying out for you, calling out for you and loving you, we think of all of those in the hall of faith who have gone before us, many of whom were young, Father God, but they loved you and you protected them. So we lift up that shield of faith, the shield of faith that Daniel held, that David held, that Mary held, that Moses held, that Abraham held, that shield of faith that we are gifted from you, Lord Jesus. And we lift up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is the word of God, the Bible and the living word of God, as he continues to speak to us and reveal himself to us today. We stand here armed, Father God, and we come in prayer. I pray, Lord Jesus, with my whole heart that, Lord, you would put into this generation, into everybody living on the earth today, Father God, such a hunger for prayer that you would stop the time when people are in their prayer closets, Father God, that they would become more and more intimate with you, Father God, that they would hear your voice, that they would hear your words and your messages for them, that, Lord Jesus, they would come to know you better than they know themselves, for your word says, that our ways are not your ways and our thoughts are not your thoughts. So get rid of our ways and our thoughts and let us be aligned with you, Father God, Holy Spirit. And as we come here, Father God, armed and ready and in prayer, Father God, we recognize, Lord Jesus, that we are in the middle of a battle and we thank you for the privilege to serve alongside of you. We ask for added measures of discernment especially among the younger generations, Father God, that, Lord, you would mature their discernment so quickly, Holy Spirit, that, Father God, it would be at an exponential rate, that you would help them to discern the Holy Spirit from the unclean spirits, that you would help them to discern when to speak and when to be quiet, that, Jesus, you would help us, Father God, to know the times that we are living in and that you would propel us forward, Father God, when we're at our last end, which is where we are in this country, Father God. But, Lord, Holy Spirit, you have a fresh anointing and a fresh wind to pour out upon this generation. We thank you, Father God, for those who have gone before us, the assignments that they have fulfilled, so many greats that you have welcomed home into heaven this year, Father God. But we know, Lord Jesus, Father God, that you're not done moving and that you have prepared, you have prepared this youngest generation to step into those shoes and to carry those assignments forward. So Father God, we come eager to see you move eager to feel your Holy Spirit, eager to see what you have in store. We are prisoners of hope. Let us never lose sight of that, Father God. We love you. And we ask for you, Father God, to assign your angelic host to every person that's shared here today, to their homes, to their families' homes, Father God, that Lord, as you raise people up, Father God, that you would stand right with them, carrying them, holding them, guiding them, protecting them, and that your angels would fill this earth, Father God, with your joy, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let us not lose sight in the craziness of this world because our joy is in you and that's what carries us forward. We love you, Lord. We love you, Holy Spirit. We come together in the name of Jesus Christ and the authority that you've given us, Father God, as a family of brothers and sisters. And so I pray all of this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Amen. Judy, I want you to pray over these nine, followed by Rosemary, and then I'll cap it off. Let's pray over these nine that we've been listening to uh, tonight. There's a 50, 55, 60-year gap between them and us. So pray over them the protection of Almighty God. Judy, we'll start with you, then Rosemary, then me. I just heard the word another level. It's like modeling another level. So, Lord, we just pray over this, Lord. We know that you have anointed tonight uh, on this call a multi-generational, one new man praying, and we are worshiping you in spirit and in truth. And we just pray a blessing over each one of these, Father, uh, we just thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of supporting these and individuals just like them in prayer. And Father, we pray for the health of those that are older to last decades longer than they normally would so that we can help undergird what's happening. Father, we, we thank you. We've gotten long to the privilege of living long enough to see this and hear this. And so, Lord, we know you're doing much in Psalm 145.4 says, and we've seen this model tonight, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And Father, as one generation to the other commends your works, Lord, we just pray that as you're weaving us together, I thank you for these hearts and we our hearts love and bless these young people, Lord, that they may be very fruitful and multiply. Thank you in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for this 200th prayer call. And from the crisis of our last presidential election, when you shook your, your people worldwide and we came together so you could extract a remnant of, of devoted followers who will contend, who will engage in the current warfare. It may not be physically on land, but it is a spiritual warfare. And we praise God for the bride of, of Yeshua that is being um, prepared right now. And so, Father, further equip your precious beloved with all your gifts, with all the ability, all that's needed to shine in these last days. And we thank you for them. And we thank you, Father, even just two years ago for allowing the, um, the Georgia prayer march and um, being able to come together in a, in a Jericho march and go around the Capitol and then see the, the fall of the, um, the Georgia prayer stones, the, the guide stones there, Lord, because you are doing, you are battling against altars. You're battling against principalities and powers and rulers uh, of darkness. So Father, allow a, a discernment to come upon all these into a level that's not um, been known before, but that is needed for the hour that they are called to live. Father, a discernment even to be as Joseph, to be as Daniel, to be a discerner of dreams, to be able to read through what is pronounced by the world and give counsel and wisdom to power. We thank you, Lord, for them. We thank you for protecting them. And Father, in Yeshua's name, I call forth legions of heavenly hosts to engage around about them, to go before them on either side and behind them to be as a guard and that you would raise up friends and personal intercessors, that they would develop a team of prayer surrounding the call on their lives and they would pray for each other. So Lord, that in the coming days, when you explode your move of glory upon the earth, 
Lord, they will be the, the frontline um, soldiers, the frontline leaders in this great move of God that will bring your return in Jesus' name. Uh, to the nine of you, I thought I was going to pray. Instead, I, I felt the Lord nudging me just to speak a declaration over you. God had you on his heart before the foundations of the world. That's hard for us to understand. But he, he knew you from the moment of conception. He knew you at the moment of birth. He had already anointed each one of you in those moments of gestation before your birth, like Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. He knew you so well, so much better the moment of your new birth. He planned and plotted. He wanted your attention. And each one of you at some stage in your life, some point, yielded your life fully and completely to him. He rejoiced when you invited the fullness of the Holy Spirit to indwell you. For the Spirit of God is working through you. The anointing has been referred to by Cody and by others tonight. You will walk in the two things that are needed for your success. Humility and purity. Humility and purity. You'll always have a, spirit, have a spirit of gratefulness. That's the mark of humility. And you'll walk in those ways that please him. There are those who mock at keeping the commandments of the Lord. People like you do not. You understand that is his desire and his expectation. You'll be filled with the word of God. Your heart will be saturated with his word. You will link up, well, your spirit will be saturated with the word, and you'll link up your spirit with your mouth, and your, from your mouth will flow the word of God, just like we heard tonight. You will speak the word of God to the situations of life. He's going to watch over your his word to perform it. It will come from your lips, but it'll be his word. And a spirit so saturated with truth and word, you're going to speak that with greater effectiveness your anointings are going to be amplified many, many times, multiple of what they already are. They're already quite remarkable as they are, but he's going to amplify your anointings. As long as you walk in that humility and that purity, those anointings will be continued to be released upon your life in a profound way. The question marks that some of you have exactly where you might land occupationally and such are all going to become so crystal clear. He's going to prepare an Isaiah 40, a moment for you, of lowering mountains and raising valleys and prepare a highway for you to walk on. Even the issues of life, life's mate, who would you spend your life with? He's going to bring that with, with clarity and awareness in a way that so honors him and blesses you and blesses that mate. And the expansion of your influence is going to be significant. I don't say this out of feeding some egos because your egos have already been crucified to Christ. That's why I can say it with confidence. You're walking the sanctified life, the death to self. And so there's expansion. The tent pegs are going to be go out further. Your influence is going to be greater than you have ever known. And you will know how to handle that because he can trust you with giving you more influence because you will treat it like a treasure, a gift from him. 
So I speak blessing upon every one of your lives and protection around them, protection around your physical well-being, your physical health, protection around your spirits, your psychological selves, your sexual realities, around your finances, around your relationships, around your family life, around your intellectual life, around your pursuits, your ambitions, your dreams, your desires. We, 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 we pray the protection of the Lord around every one of those things and the blessing, an avalanche of blessings to be released upon you because he has found you worthy. We declare that in conformity with the will, the way, and the word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, Rosemary pointed out that this is our 200th call. I frankly had forgotten it. Uh, we had 27 global prayer calls before that, but then we started anew. And so World Prayer Network calls, this is our 200th call. January the 1st, with a group of people that uh, I am so honored to call you my friends. I'm going to send a link to each one of you to get this out. And folks, we're going to be sending a link out to you of this to get this out to everybody you can, because this will encourage you. Uh, we've seen some reversals. We've seen some setbacks. We've seen some disappointments. I've been, as I've told you, governmentally, politically involved since age nine, since August the 13th, 1956. And um, we've seen setbacks that I never thought possible. But we are pressing forward. And as that baton gets handed to people like these nine who are on this call today, I cannot tell you how encouraged I am. Oftentimes, before we interview somebody on World Prayer Network, I either know them well or else I phone them. We, we talk a lot before going there. I, I had no idea when this conversation was going to go. We didn't rehearse anything. So I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. But this has been a remarkable God honoring they passed it the adults yeah oh my goodness i was <laughs> jotting down things i had not heard i was learning what a joy to be taught by people who are 50 years and more younger than me this was absolutely superb i want to keep in contact with every one of you i'm so proud of you and we just pray as as cody gets it that anointing to continue to be released upon you in the name of jesus we pray amen I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.